Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster. Alongside me each and every week, co-host and professional rugby player, Charlie Beckett. I bring the mics, he brings the athletic know-how, and we come to you every seven days to cast our eyes over what's happening in the world of wrestling. How are you, Charlie? I'm very well, thank you, Jack. How are you, my friend? I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm, I'm a bit all over the place with wrestling at the moment. It's a bit like... So many events, so many feuds. It's it's just hard to keep track. There's a lot going on, but it's all good stuff. And it's nice. I said this a few weeks ago. I said it again. It's nice that today we're going to talk about in-ring stuff for the majority of it, rather than any scandal or drama outside the ring, which seems to have dominated the last 12 months. It's nice that we just get to talk about a bit of good wrestling, really. It's great. It's like this weird buffet of events where you can look and pick out a feud for Extreme Rules or Survivor Series or Crown Jewel or AEW building in advance. We're going to talk AEW. We're going to talk about the Mysterios. We're going to talk about some debuts on Raw. And we're going to start looking ahead to the Royal Rumble, the runners and riders ahead of that. Even though it's a few months back, this is where they start to build those people who could be Rumble winners. But let's start with someone who I think is the MVP of SmackDown and Perhaps WWE at the moment. His name is Sami Zayn, and his storyline with the Bloodline continues to be the best long-term storytelling in wrestling. And we saw that on SmackDown on Friday. Oh, it was a masterpiece Friday night. At the whole, you think he's about Roman's about his turn. Take that shirt off. Don't wear it. Sami sells it like a dream, and then just because they've got him his own shirt, and they will sell so many of those honorary shirts. I think that that is going to be a big seller for WWE, but I, I would love to know how this storyline started. Did Sami Zayn just decide to insert himself in the bloodline? Was it Vince's idea? Was it Hunter's? Whoever had this idea, and I'd love to know if they foresaw it going this long and being the best thing in WWE, because it just started as a little bit of a joke almost, didn't it, that he called himself the, uh, the fourth member of the bloodline, now the fifth. He just tagged along with them, like so many dorky kids do in school to try and tag along with the cool kids to become cool by association. And then it's just become the best story in WWE. It has become the best story by a country mile. Um, I rewatched that Bloodline Sammy t-shirt segment again before we started recording just to see if there was anything in it I could pick apart. I didn't like just really nitpicky. And there was nothing. That is an example of a segment where everyone plays their role to perfection. And ultimately, what, what was it about? It didn't really achieve anything in terms of selling a pay-per-view next week or next month, but it's planted the seeds for down the road. And I love that gradual, incremental storytelling. Yeah, long-term long term storytelling, as we've said a lot in this podcast, is when wrestling at its best, when it's a slow burner, and that's when you get the big pops, you get the big reveals, you get the big payoffs. When they rush things, it doesn't have the same dramatic and emotional effect on us, the fans. And wrestling's all about the reaction you get from the fans. It can be rubbish in some people's eyes but if the fans go mad for it that is good wrestling so this is really really good so far but because we're wrestling fans we always look at the potential negative you just hope they don't drop the ball with this well here's what i was thinking we went to cardiff we went to clash at the castle and we were convinced that uh, drew mcintyre was going to be the guy he's gonna be the guy to take down roman reigns because they did such a good job of building him up I think a lot of people are convinced now that Sami Zayn is going to be the guy that takes down Roman Reigns. And he wasn't the guy when we were talking four or five months ago. 
if Sammy isn't the guy that's somehow involved in this, do they need to start dialing this back? Because you're ratcheting, you're ratcheting up expectations about, hey, here's this guy, look what he could do, you know, what's going on here? And if they're still thinking it's the Rock and Roman at WrestleMania, you're in danger of building Sammy to a degree that he's not going to be able to achieve. Does that make sense? It really does. The only other theory I've seen online that I could see the payoff they're building to is Sammy and Kevin take the tag titles from the Usos. And I could I could definitely see that. You could imagine Kevin challenges, let's say at the Rumble, challenges Roman, he loses, and then the, the whole bloodline are just beating him down, and Sammy runs to his aid. And then there's a divide and long a long fizz-up build to... KO and Sammy versus the Usos at WrestleMania. I could see that being a payoff. And I'm a big Sammy Zayn fan. I have been for a long, long time. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. So I, in my mind, want him with that universe title. That's the payoff I want. But do I think that's a bad payoff to this storyline? Him and him and KO taking the tag titles off the Usos? No, I don't. I think that would be very satisfying. I think there's a lot of great stories to tell there. Oh my god, the match. And We've never had Sammy and KO as tag champions together, and I just think they would be wonderful. And this version of Sammy and this version of KO, where it's not um, sort of that uh, Simpsons-Nelson dynamic, which all the gifts went out. I mean, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And as I rewatched that segment, I thought how lucky WWE is to have this version of Roman Reigns. We say it each and every week. That was... And it's weird that wrestling doesn't ever get put forward for an Emmy or a Golden Globe or something like that. But the nuances in that scene, if you want to call it a scene, that Roman was showing, that everyone in, in the ring, it was it was masterful. Yeah, you, you've no doubt, do you, that Roman's going to be their next Hollywood star. The man can, the man can clearly act. He, he can. I know he's done bits in Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw with The Rock and stuff, but you see things like that. He, he can act. He can hold a crowd in the palm of his hand with... with what he does with his face, what he does emotionally, rather than just beating people up. He's he is a generational superstar. I know we lost Roman for a little bit between Shield and between Head of the Table. I know we lost Roman for probably three, four, five years there. But take Shield Roman and take this Roman, and they they are the best of their generation. I'd say. Yeah, I w- I would agree. I I look at Roman Reigns and he has reached a level. I think he's beyond John Cena. Now, maybe not in titles, maybe not in terms of, you know, how long he's been in the business, but you look at his total package presentation, who he is, I think he's beyond John Cena's level. And that's a big compliment. Tell you what I really enjoyed on SmackDown on Friday night as well is, and I love, everyone who listens to this knows, I love when wrestling um, is presented like real sport. I love it. Paul Heyman's video about the Usos and their tag title reign. Yes. And they're acknowledging that they are now the third longest, how many days they've had, and they have demolition on this many days and the new day on this many days. And tell me that story. And you know what? When it gets to a week before they take the new day's record, get the new day in to have a match with them. Just because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you try and defend your record? Tell me that story. I, I, I saw that. And Heyman's Heyman, and he's masterful. Even a voiceover, he manages to enthrall you in a way that no one else can, even when he's not on the screen. But it was I just love it when wrestling is presented like real sport. We do talk about the longest reigns of boxing champions and the longest reigns of this champion, that champion. So why don't we in wrestling? And we are now, and I loved it. And here's the other thing as well. You and I are slightly different eras in our fandom, but I remember growing up, and they put the belt on Bradshaw, and he was JBL, and you're thinking, why is JBL WWE champion? 
And the thing that made him a star, aside from his natural talent he has in the ring, regardless of what you think about him outside the ring, was that it got to the point where every week you were hearing the longest reigning WWE champion in SmackDown history. And just hearing that reinforces, I mean, perception is reality. The Usos are perceived as the top guys. Roman Reigns is perceived as the top guys. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it is masterful storytelling. I don't want the turn to happen for another three months, four months. I want to see how long they can eke this out. Yeah, and when you do the turn, when it splits, who turns on who? Because, the, you know, the man who's being alienated at the moment, it's Jimmy Uso. Mm. And I think it's Jimmy. It might be Jay, because I still can't tell them apart because they're identical twins. But I think it's Jimmy who's having the issue with Sammy. If it's not, sorry to everyone involved. But I just feel like he's going to be the one who's alienated and the the bloodline are going to side with Sammy over one of their own, over one of their actual blood relatives. I think that's going to be where this whole, this whole thing starts to fall apart. And they don't have to side in a suddenly uh, ostracising the Uso twin who doesn't want Sammy there. It can just be something as simple as Roman watching the beatdown and then pulling Jimmy slash Jay off. That's all you have to do. Just get him. I just think... That's what it needs to be. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's great. I also love that we saw Sammy get a big win over AJ Styles on Raw. Yeah, he got a little bit of assistance, but if you're going to build Sammy up, he needs those credible victories. AJ Styles, still a huge name. Yeah, it, that, that's the thing with AJ. You can heat AJ up in a week. It's AJ doesn't get hurt by losing. First of all, to Sammy Zayn, who's brilliant anyway, but we were talking recently about we haven't really seen AJ do much. Just being AJ Styles is enough for him to do much. I would, we're going to talk about later, I don't think he'll win the Rumble, but I would love to see a good run in the Rumble for AJ. Give us 30, 40 minutes of AJ in the Rumble. Just remind everyone how bloody good he is. Talking AEW a little bit later as well, and the White Rabbit teases. Uh, I, I feel this Sammy um, bloodline story is, are you familiar with the film Mean Girls, if I were to say that to you? Yes! On Wednesdays we wear pink, Jack. Don't you think this has got Mean Girls? You go, Glen Coco! <laughs> This has got Mean Girls written it all over it. Don't you think that like yeah, Roman Reigns is the leader of the Plastics and that's yes. what's going on here? I think it's that's yeah. what I think Triple H has secretly loved Mean Girls for ages and has just been waiting for the story to inject it into. Imagine I'm now picturing like Triple H and Steph putting the kids to bed on a Friday and Triple H running in and be like, it's my turn, it's my turn to choose the film. And Steph going, oh, Mean Girls again. I can also imagine Roman phoning Sammy and saying, so do you think you're better than Jimmy? And then, yes. yeah, and then doing that whole thing again. I can also absolutely imagine Sam again. <coughs> I'm sick. <laughs> right, okay, that's what they're doing. It's Mean Girls-tastic uh, between the bloodline and everyone else. I tell you what I'm liking as well, and call me a hypocrite, call me fickle. I've been completely... Go on. You're about to say you like the Judgment Day, aren't you? I've been completely one round on the Judgment Day. I now, okay, I don't know if it was Vince just not firing on all cylinders, if Triple H has seen it and thought, I can salvage this, but blow me down with a feather. I think the Judgment Day are the staple of Monday Night Raw at the moment. They're all over it. I think two things have made them the must-see thing on Monday Night Raw, because I'd agree. One is they're not spooky-spooky anymore, because that just doesn't work anymore. Nah. It doesn't work. And two... Finn Balor is brilliant. I was reading reports from WrestleTalk and WrestleVotes this week that Triple H wants him to be a huge franchise player in WWE. Brilliant. Brilliant. About time. He has it 
all. And he, he's he gone on record in a number of interviews saying he wants to be able to play full heel in WWE. And he is absolutely embracing it and living that heel dream, isn't he? It's a very subtle character change because it used to be smiley, smiley Finn Balor till angry, angry Finn Balor comes <laughs> along and here's the demon and, oh, you're in trouble now. But the demon never, never, you know, it, it was fine. But then he did that weird flopping round fish thing in the Thunderdome and it killed the gimmick. I think he's great. I think Rhea Ripley is great with the Judgment Day. She is what, for me, is making it work. We've got Rhea as this enforcer, as a badass, and it's great. She gives off real Attitude Era China vibes. Yeah. Of, in a different world, you'd see her winning the Intercontinental title, wouldn't you? Like, she very much is... I could see her ending up in the Men's Rumble this year. Because they do love to throw a dominant woman in the Men's Rumble now and again. And I could see that. Hello. Can we have... Dominic enter number 14 and then Rhea enter number 15 and Dominic doesn't touch anyone or throw them out and Rhea Ripley clears out the rumble for Dominic. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Really good. And I just like that they... Uh, one of my favourite but also weirdest storylines is always Eddie Guerrero was, Ray, was Dominic's puppy. Always. And I just love that Rhea's calling herself Mammy because it feeds back to that. And she's clearly just a massive wrestling fan and has seen her chance to get involved in one of the most iconic storylines ever. And gone, I'm going to take it. And it's it, it it's masterful of... We all know of someone, if we don't know personally, who has that dominant girlfriend who really babies their boyfriend, really. Almost treats them like a child. And that's what she's doing. And then it helps as well that she physically is taller and larger and badass and can back it up with her physicality as well as how she emotionally manipulates Dominic. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I will be very interested to see how they take it off if she gets angry with Dominic and how she takes that out on him if she's slaps him around and that sort of stuff. But there's just so much to look into and Ray is playing his part brilliantly because yeah, it would take a lot for a dad to snap on his son and beat him. But come on, Ray, just hit him. The pop when Rey Mysterio eventually does lay out Dominic is going to be absolutely huge. It's going to be monumental because I think, do you know what I think they did really well? I think they did the turn in Cardiff, instantly made it relevant because of, frankly, us, the crowd. I think that... No, just us, me, you and Dan. Me, you and Dan really we made it. We went mad. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? If you'd have done that in a 10,000-seater yeah. arena in the middle of yeah, America, yeah. no one cares. Do it in Cardiff. It feels huge. And to be fair to Dominic... He feels more relevant. And what I love is that you've got Rhea Ripley has no involvement with the women's division at all at the moment. The moment they decide to pull the trigger on Rhea Ripley deciding she wants the Raw women's title, you could do Bianca Belair against Rhea at WrestleMania this year. And that is a, it feels fresh and different because they've been kept on separate paths. And there's a track record for those two having sensational matches together as well. They're going to be great. They're going to be great. Speaking of Finn Balor, I can't believe, and I don't know why I would have thought otherwise, because Edge was gone for so long, but Finn Balor and Edge have never wrestled before. And in Extreme Rules, we're going to get them in an I Quit match, which isn't my favourite kind of match, but has real potential to be something really good. Yeah, I think we're surprised they haven't wrestled because their storyline's been intertwined for quite a few months now, haven't they, with Judgment Day? So probably shocked that we haven't had one-on-one yet, but... They haven't rushed it, taken its time, and we've got there through the Mysterio angle. Um, I I don't dislike I Quit matches as much as you. They are a bit weird, but I don't dislike them as much as you. But I just think Edge is always very good at gimmick matches. 
He always, some of your favourite game rights in the back edge is part of them, and I think he'll be brilliant here. I, I think Finn wins this one. Oh, yeah, I do as well. And I think Finn wins because I think we see something with Beth Phoenix. I think we see... Oh, really? I think we see some sort of Beth Phoenix getting... Because if you're Edge and the Judgment Day have done everything they've done to you, what's going to make you quit? Nothing's going to make you quit. They can do anything they want to Edge. But Edge's wife, Beth Phoenix, you know, we both have partners. We will put ourselves through hell. But if it was our partners in danger, that's probably where you would call call the line, you know? So do you see something like Finn's done the classic handcuff Edge round the post or something and is just battering him and Edge will not quit because he's Edge. Beth runs down, tries to plead Finn off, then gets ambushed by Rhea and then Rhea just starts destroying Beth to the point where Edge quits because of that. I, I think even what you do is you, if you want to get real heel hate, and, and I know this is an uncomfortable topic for some people, you don't have it be Rhea, you have yeah. it be the threat of Finn. Now, I, I, I know that's an uncomfortable, but if you want real heel heat, you have that. And then we get that mixed tag down the line that we haven't really properly seen. Everyone always talks about Beth and Edge against whoever, and I think you can go go that way with it. Yeah, no, I agree entirely with all that. Let's talk about Candice LeRae. She gets a big moment on Raw as well. It was only a few weeks ago we were talking about Candice and Johnny heading off to AEW. We were all so smart. We knew that was what was going to be happening. Johnny Gargano's on Monday Night Raw. Mrs. Gargano, Candice LeRae, also there as well and spotlighted as a big star from the get-go. Who's looking after baby wrestling? Well, this is true. Maybe there's a crash because you've probably got Becky Lynch and Seth's um, child yeah. backstage. You can have baby wrestling backstage as well. Oh, now I'm imagining wrestlers having to take 30-minute shifts looking after the crash. Who would... Who okay, would... okay. There's the one for the next week. And for our fans, who would be the worst at spending a 30-minute stint looking after the crash? Got it straight away. Snitsky. Yeah, no, you've won. He punt- done. He like punted, punted like a baby that. into the crowd. Jack has ruined a week's fun for everyone. Oh, well sorry. done, Jack. Sorry. Well done. Sorry. Um, but no, great to see Candice on Raw. She's brilliant. She, if you haven't seen Candice LeRae wrestle, she's really good. Their, their child is not going to get its good wrestling genes just from its dad. Candice LeRae can really, really go. And great to see her presented as a big deal straight away. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Let's do one more <laughs> thing for WWE before we talk AEW after the break. White Rabbit, White Rabbit, White Rabbit, White Rabbit. What's going on? It's got to be Bray Wyatt coming back, hasn't it? Only because people say it. Only because people online are saying it. Now, now WWE aren't dampening that down, but it's intriguing. I don't think I'm as sold on it as everyone else is. I know some people, it's their favourite thing in wrestling. The what's going on? What's it going to be? For me, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see where it goes. Have you got a theory if it isn't, Bray? Bad Bunny. <laughs> that would be something. Bad Bunny, or do you know what? It could be something entirely different. It could be one of those things where they've got a big creative angle that we haven't thought of. I like the mystery. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I think that's great. I just, I think... How long How long can you run it before it becomes annoying? Probably about five weeks more, maybe. Yeah. I think you need to do more with it. You, It needs to be, like, people, wrestlers need to start noticing it more yeah. if you're going to do it, because otherwise it's that weird thing where something's happening that they could easily watch back on the Peacock Network or on the WWE Network or whatever, and none of them sort of are paying any attention to it. So I think I think only a few weeks more. And I think all that's happened here, I think it's me rather than anyone else. I think The Fiend was so not my thing. 
I've forgotten all the brilliant stuff that Bray Wyatt did with Cena and in NXT. If we get some upgrade spin on that, um, I'll be fine with it. Yeah, I, I think The Fiend was brilliant at the start. He ran his course and then he was ruined by that Hell in a Cell. It finished him. So, yeah, I, I, I'd be very, very interested if it is Bray Wyatt. What Bray Wyatt comes back? Fascinated, actually. And also what you do with him because you have got sort of elements for a stable there. If you want it with Braun Strowman sort of floating about, you've sort of got Karrion Cross who's floating about there a little bit, could do something. You know, you've got some you've got some interesting things. If you go with him being cult leader again, he could just try and put himself on top of the judgment day. <laughs> just like you a- need you need leading, so I'm here. Let's talk AEW then. Uh, Chris Jericho marks his first week as Ring of Honor champion uh, by pledging to eviscerate everything Ring of Honor related in the company is clearly building towards a feud with Daniel Garcia. Now, we'll talk about whether it's the right thing to be doing on Dynamite in a minute. In terms of storyline, I think it's a really good use of Chris Jericho to make that title relevant. Yeah, not what I thought they'd do, but I don't dislike it at all. It's an interesting storyline. And oh, look. Chris Jericho has suddenly got us all talking about something we weren't a week ago. I think that Chris Jericho, the the longer his career goes on, the longer the argument that he is an all-time GOAT, like like a top five, top six, it becomes harder to refute. I, I know some people were there already. For me, I think that he's brilliant. And I actually tell you what, once you finish listening to our podcast, if you haven't already, listen to the talk is Jericho from a few weeks back, and you know he did the tour of the UK with Kenny McIntosh and did yes. a few dates. They've taken the audio of that and they've whacked it on his podcast stream, and it is really worth a listen. And you realise well, I didn't a... know that, but I will definitely go because Kenny and the guys inside the ropes are brilliant. So I will definitely go and listen to that. If you listen to it, you realise what a smart wrestling guy he is. And I know we've always known it, but you really understand it. And I think that Tony Khan trusts Chris Jericho implicitly to get this over. And let's be honest, he has got over Daniel Garcia. Forget the ROH title. He, Chris Jericho, has made Garcia completely relevant in a matter of six, eight months, maybe? Yeah, like, let's be honest, none of us really knew much about Daniel Garcia. He's been paired with Jericho now. We all want to see Garcia kick Jericho's ass and take the Ring of Honor world title from him, don't we? Really, that's what we want to see. And and Jericho's that safety net. You can put Garcia out there with him and give Garcia a little bit more and a little bit more to do each and every week, and it works. I loved the purple suits as well. I thought it takes a bold man to go out dressed like that, but I thought they all at the business. <laughs> I'd like to see you in one. <laughs> I would like to see you in one. I'd look like Dale Winton, God rest him. I'd look like yeah. that. Um, I thought oh, that was... Yeah. Yeah, and I said that to someone the other day, and they were like, Dale Winton's dead. I was like, I'm sorry to be the best. Yeah, I won't lie. Until you said God rest him, I'd forgotten he was dead, but no, he is. I was thinking of his fake town. Ah, well, God rest your Dale Winton. Um, good use of Chris Jericho, I thought. Um, I had another thought as well. With Rick. Okay, let's- Two in a day. I know. It's Two in one day for Jack Merley. Big week. Big week for me. Before we talk about my, my second thought, let's talk about whether you actually, for as much as it's a smart way to use Chris Jericho- do you want this much Ring of Honor on your AEW Dynamite television show? Because I've seen a few people online saying, I don't care about this in the same way I didn't care about the New Japan Forbidden Door stuff. So what's your take? Just your opinion. I don't mind it at all because hmm. I'm interested in Chris Jericho and I just see it as another title in AEW. I don't see it as a separate promotion. 
I see it as another title in AEW. I, I, I see the argument people have. And again, this is why I'm going to come back to it. And Andrew will hate me. I genuinely think the best use of it would be to make Rampage a Ring of Honor only show and have them separate and be able to choose what you watch. I truly believe it. But flip side, I don't mind this being an AW Dynamite. But if we were talking about this now and you were saying, Charlie, there was this unbelievable segment on Ring of Honor Rampage on Friday. Have you seen it? Jericho did this, this and this. And I went, oh, no, I didn't actually because I don't watch Rampage. You know what I'd do next week? I'd probably watch Rampage. Yeah, I, I, I can say, I don't think he's going to hate you. I think, bless him, he's got a good sense of humour about these things. And he's very smart, Andrew. Someone should sh- sign him up to be a booker. I actually, w- watching AEW this week, I'm not sure the Soraya segment necessarily worked. I thought that was not not great. And look, maybe she's got some ring rust in terms of promos. I'm not sure what that was trying to accomplish. I actually thought the whole show flowed really well. And the criticisms we have had of AEW previously, I certainly have had, that it goes from thing to thing and there's no through line. I can't say that anymore. We started with Ring of Honor. We ended with Ring of Honor. We had the segments on who people were who were involved all the way through. We had the MJF segment. That was spread through. Plenty of MJF with Wheelie Utah, And we had the title spotlighted. So actually, I watched it and I was thinking, this show is flowing a load better. It felt just slightly calmer and slightly better as a watch for me. You you also, when you read the report, it sounds like they had to call it a little bit of an audible because of the hurricane and some people not coming to work, which is completely understandable yeah. when you see the weather and the weather reports and, oh, we will get onto US <laughs> weather reporters later in this show and everyone's there at seven because I have some thoughts on that. I saw your tweet and we won't ruin it, but I thought, I know this is coming my way on Friday. Yes. Um, so the fact that they probably on Wednesday had to call an audible on some of their plans because certain talent didn't come to the show, which is, again, completely understandable. And Tony Khan's very good at that on making it public knowledge. He tweeted, and yes, it's good PR. I get that it's good PR for the boss of AW to be saying, stay safe and stay at home. But also it informs the fans, certain people you'd expect to be on this show might not be on this show because of this reason. He's yeah. very good at that, Tony Khan. Very uh, transparent in that sense. So... I think it's an even more impressive of what a good show it was when they probably were missing three or four big players they'd expect to have for the show. And once again, did we miss Kenny? Did we miss the Bucks? Did we miss CM Punk? Which brings me to my second thought. If you're going to do a Ring of Honor rampage, if you've got CM Punk sitting on a big contract and you don't want CM Punk floating around in the ether, but you also can't really have him in AEW, is there a role for CM Punk as the figurehead of Ring of Honor? You split them off, you do them separately, you say, look, okay, you had this fight with the Bucks, the EVPs of AEW. We're going to put you in Ring of Honor. You're going to be separate from them. I sort of thought of it, and I thought, that could work. Well, it's a full circle sort of moment, isn't it? That's where he made his name, being Ring of Honor world champion and the, the great match he had there. That's where he made his name. So... I think it could work. I, I just, I don't see from what you read and what you hear how CM Punk can come back into the fold of AW at all. I, I think he's done. I think you're right. I think you're right. But if, I, if I'm Tony Khan and I'm exploring every avenue to keep him, because he, look, up until that media scrum, what would you have said about CM Punk as an asset? Huge, huge because he's CM Punk. Name value alone. Right, and that's still true. That's still true. So he's still <coughs> got that. He's just conducted himself 
really, 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 really poorly in that moment. Now, if you can work past that, maybe that's what you that's a way to do it. But I think you're right. I think and and I go back to if we don't see CM Punk in AEW again, how can you justify seeing the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega in AEW again? Because it takes two to tango. It does. It does. It's a very tricky situation for um for the bosses at AEW. Could you see a situation? And look, this year I could foresee any situation. So I'm not going to say could you. It is not beyond the realms of possibility, but by the end of this year, we see AEW without former EVP Cody Rhodes, without Kenny Omega, without the Young Bucks, without essentially the backbone of the company. Well, the four who started it, essentially. Yeah, all gone. Um, yeah, it, it's it's foreseeable. It very much is. I really like Wheeler Utah this week. I think Utah's been. You given, really like him. I really, really, really like him because I think he's been given the toughest hand in all of professional wrestling, playing against MJF. Which is he's like, also he's also got the hand of being the. I always look back to anytime there's a four there's a four person group. I always look back to the 2004 GB Olympic rowing team because it's always Steve Redgrave, James Cracknell, Matthew Pinsent, and there was a bloke called Tim that no one remembers. Tim Hunter. Um, Tim, you remember Tim Hunter? Remember Tim Hunter? Of course you do. <laughs> Wheeler Utah is the Tim Hunter of the Blackpool Combat Club. It's a tough gig. It's a tough gig for Wheeler Utah. It really is because from the start it was Mox Danielson and uh, Regal, and now it's Mox Danielson and um, Claudio. Claudio, not Cesaro. I call him Swiss as if I'm on the up, up, down, down guys. Um, <laughs> like I know his name. And then Utah the wrestling. He's the Tim Hunter. Of course, you knew his surname of the Blackpool Combat Club, and he's been thrown in against MJF. And he's holding his own. But also, it's worse than he's, and God bless Tim Hunter. Imagine if Tim Hunter listened. And he was oh, like, if, you're, what? if Tim why? Hunter listens, why? Well, one, I didn't know you were wrestling with Alan Toots. I'm not being mean to you, Tim. This isn't your fault. Just you're, for some reason, been the forgotten son of that, that uh, Cox's four. But not only is, is that Wheelie Utah's role, but you can see the leader or co leader, Brian Danielson, flirting with your equivalent on national television because Daniel Garcia is like Wheeler Utah. I mean, it is just very, very. But I think Utah's done it very well. I think, and I think it was a good couple of segments for him. I think he. Was he as good as MJF? No, nowhere close. Find me someone who can. Very few people. But I think we're caring about Wheeler Utah and AW continues to build these guys. Just the fact that they've thrown Wheeler Utah as the person against MGF straight away makes Wheeler Utah seem a bigger deal. Because you're going, they think he's the one for him to go against. Okay, he must be important. So it, it's clever booking from um, AW as well. I like the fact that we're not leaning too heavily on this firm organisation for MJF. I think that's good. I don't think he needs another faction. I like the fact they've gone, yeah, it's a bit of a derivative of money in the bank, but this works as having a, a chip to cash in. And I like that we've got a world title match coming up on a Dynamite with Hangman and Moxley. Hangman seems a little forgotten in all of this. I think they need to put a bit of steam on him, but that match is going to bang. Yeah, that'd be a great match. I mean, Mox is winning, but a good 20, 25 minutes showing for Hangman and then move him into something else that is important. Because if, if you are going to lose the Bucks and Kenny and Punk, you need Hangman to step up and be one of your big stars again. And what I love is that Hangman Page is so secure in who he is that he can come out and face off with John Moxley wearing a Dolly Parton shirt. 
outstanding. So that's AEW, that's WWE. We are coming into October, and that means that we can begin to start thinking about the Royal Rumble, just beginning to see the pieces that WWE is moving into position. We'll do the Women's Royal Rumble next week, I think. But let's just throw out at this stage, with no knowledge, who do you think are some of the top contenders for the Men's Royal Rumble right now? I love the Rumble. It's my favourite. It's the greatest stipulation, the greatest gimmick match in wrestling. Oh, I, I will. It would have to be something mad going on on a Monday for me not to stay up for the Rumble. Yeah. Apart from Mania, it's my favourite. So I get very excited when we have these conversations. When you said that, what I thought for a long time is give me a two night Rumble. Not yes, like have them do yes. 48 hours, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like... Wow, a 48-hour <laughs> Royal Rumble. That would be something. Imagine drawing number one on the Saturday and oh, then by sun- God. Sunday at midnight, you're Coming still Coming down there. with a pillow. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're going to have a two-night WrestleMania, do a two-night Rumble because yeah. the men's and the women's on the same night is a problem. As great yeah. as that stipulation match is... Too long a show. Too long a show. And how many spots can you do? But that to one side, it is a fabulous gimmick. It has stood the test of time, as everyone listening to this knows. Who are your ones you're watching out for? At this stage, as we begin to build the months towards it, who are you looking at? I can't look past Cody coming back at 30 and getting that Triple H John Cena pop. Getting that John Cena 2008 pop. Triple H, I know it wasn't for the Rumble, but Triple H, Madison Square Garden 2002, that sort of reception. I can't look past that if he's if he's fit and him coming at 30 and winning it. I, I, I don't see anything that tops that as a moment and long-term storytelling. And then if you're not doing Rock and Roman, if you're not doing that, which we all, we all think they're going to do, we have no proof it's going to happen. And all we are ever told is you can't ensure The Rock to wrestle anymore because he is too valuable. So there are a million reasons we are told it's not happening. But we as wrestling fans go, ah, but it'd be good, wouldn't it? So they'll do it. But we we couldn't be told more clearly that's not happening. No. I don't think there's a bigger match for the title at Mania currently, with the exception maybe of Sammy, as we discussed earlier, but a heated up Rumble winning returning Cody Rhodes against Roman Reigns. I disagree. And here's Ooh, what. And here's we don't often do that. And so firmly, Jack, you're wrong, Beckett. Well, here's, here's why I think I disagree. And I might, I might be wrong on this. When Cody Rhodes came back, there was still some reintroducing to the audience that needed to be done because he'd been gone for a long time. And yes, there were a large number of fans who knew what he'd been doing previously. But there were people from WWE who didn't know what he'd been up to. And I'll give you an example of this, right? Because it works the other way. I have a mate who watches wrestling, a really good friend, who's only just realised that John Moxley is Dean Ambrose. Really? That's L- interesting. Yeah, literally only just realised they are the what same made guy. Them, what made them twig it? I said it to them. They, oh, they didn't know before they that? They had not clicked. I think they said something like, God, he, you know, wrestles just like that Dean Ambrose guy. And and he's not a casual fan. He's been watching Dynamite That's, for ages. That it's fascinating. Right. And and so I use that and I think, so maybe if you're a WWE fan and you're seeing this Cody guy come back, maybe you're not up on why he's so good. And he had Mania. He had three months. WrestleMania Backlash. WrestleMania Backlash. We had Hell in a Cell. I think he probably had three months would be fair without looking at a calendar. And then he goes out injured. Is that, 
enough to make that the biggest match versus a Drew McIntyre versus Roman, who's been there for years with the WWE audience, or Sami Zayn, who for months and months has been getting the build as maybe he could be the guy. And I'm just not sure. Now, I think you can make it that way. But to me, my gut visceral reaction, what do I want? Roman versus Cody or Roman versus Sammy? I think I want Sammy. And is that how you'd get there with Sammy, a Rumble win? I would have done it with money in the bank. I And, and yeah. that should have, yeah. would have, could have, rear view window. I think that would be a better way to do it. I think you could do it with the Rumble win. I really is think it, you could. Is it bad that when we think of the whole championship picture and shake-up, when I think of Austin Theory, my, my genuine thought is, Oh, yeah, he's in it still somehow. And that's not a slight on him. That's that. And I just think the wrong person won money in the bank because at no point is anyone going to pop for Austin Theory cashing that in. Like, yes, it's going to be like, oh, no, God, please don't ruin this story. But there's a way that I think you could, just thinking out loud, use it to your advantage, where you use Theory to get the WWE title off Roman. And well, th- if they're going to split them, yes. Just split these titles again, man. Split them. Because then if you split them, then you can have Sammy win the Rumble and then you redo the, the Batista Triple H storyline. Thumbs up, thumbs down. But with Roman saying, Sammy, go and bring our title back to the bloodline. Go and be a champion. And that's how you could do it. Now, whether you do that, I don't know. But I think that's a way you could use it. But... Okay, so so your guy's Cody. Who else are you gonna gonna want to see up there and thereabouts? Cody and Sammy are the two for me. The only other person I could see working, just because I think he'd be brilliant, would be KO. Okay, no Drew. No, I just think that story's been done with Roman. Yeah, that's a fair point. And and I, I the more I look at it, the more I go that the Clash of the Castle was a fluke, almost in a in a that was the right confluence of events, and it just was never meant to be. I'm going to throw in Bron Breaker, not as a winner, but as a comes in at number three and is there till the last yeah. four. I think that'd be he good. did. He did Steinemaths this week. He did Steinemaths. <laughs> yes. I almost forgot. Bron Breaker did Steinemaths. And I I was just full of joy. Charlie, are you going back to NXT? Have you watched it again this week? I saw bits again, but I saw I actually saw Steinemaths on Twitter. I was scrolling on um, Thursday morning, I think it was yesterday, yeah. And I just saw someone put Steinemaths back. And I thought, oh, brilliant and you know what i love with bron is he leans into being a steiner without relying on it yeah so when it suits them he will mention that yeah i'm i'm, I'm a steiner that that's the family i'm from but it's not like ah oh, steiner 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 pushing your face oh, okay that's a good way to put it Ste- yeah. can you steiner 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 steiner, steiner. <laughs> if you, you're gonna clip this on oh sometimes i do things on this show and i go oh jack's gonna clip that I think you and NXT are like the Susan and Dr. Carl of uh, this podcast. You know Neighbours, Susan and Dr. Carl? I can't say I do. Okay, well, this is a shame. And basically, they were a couple in Neighbours, and they were always meant to be together, and then they split up for a bit, but they'd always come back together. You and NXT, you loved NXT. NXT changed, you couldn't be together, you've been apart, and now you're seeing each other again, and it's like, ah, the spark's still there. I can see you getting drawn back into NXT. Absolutely, so can I. So Ron Breaker is going to be one of my picks. I think that you have to have AJ Styles in there, and I would love to see a Champa or someone like that get a real... I'd, I'd love it if the final... Gone, f- gone a little quiet, hasn't he, Champa, recently? Yeah. Lost in the shuffle a little, little bit. If only there was someone who'd just come back that you could just put them together and magic. <laughs> but do you know, do you know my favourite 
Royal Rumble sort of final four of recent years. I'm going to say my favourite final four, and I might be wrong. But wasn't there the year that Nakamura won? It was Shinsuke. It was Roman. Was it Cena? Finn and Cena, was it? Was it Finn or Drew and Cena? It was like two new, too old. Yes, that's what I want this year. I want two of the established talent and two of the newer, completely random from left field choices so you don't know because i remember when shinsuke did dump drew over the top yeah you went wow okay this is huge that was that was 2018 wasn't it because shinsuke won and we built the shinsuke versus aj at wrestlemania and it was just such a letdown it was it had that low blow finish didn't it yeah and then, wrestlemania yeah it was a that was a good card though that was a card where we had charlotte asker as well didn't we and yes we had, yeah, yeah charlotte broke the streak that's one of those sleeper WrestleManias. Uh, uh, yeah, so those are my choices for the men's. We'll do the women's next week. And for now, I think we have to get onto everyone's favourite part of the podcast, where something from everyday life is getting the push and something's getting sent back to developmental. I would say first or second, but I know you want to talk about a couple of things. So I'm going to let you go first. Yes. So I'm going to go first. I have one bit of seriousness and then some fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, my back to developmental my serious bit is and if you want more information on it go on to my Twitter because I'm being quite vocal about it uh, anyone in any facet of life who doesn't take concussion seriously uh, that's all I'm going to say on here but I was concussed in our first game of the season and I'm very 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 thankful for my medical team Amptil and the guidelines that the RFU and World Rugby have brought in because I was looked after perfectly and looking after my brain and anyone who doesn't take it seriously I think is a fool so that is my uh, serious one. My other bit of bad developmental is these goddamn crazy US TV networks right. that are sending these poor weathermen out into <laughs> genuine hurricanes. Because I saw a clip that, again, I shared on Twitter this week where this poor man, you can't hear a word he's saying. He's genuinely struggling to stand up. He's holding on to poles. And then the highlight of the whole video is the cameraman gets a rag out and wipes the lens of the camera. <laughs> That's a priority. That's where you need to yeah. be. So just US TV networks, stop sending them into these weather these weather fronts. Stop it. These poor men and women, your poor weather men and women, just give them a cup of tea and let them sit in a studio next to a, a map and say, oh, it's hurricane season. Do you know what I love as well is when they're out there, all they say is like, authorities are saying stay indoors don't go outside and i'm like yeah i can see why get yourself in come on my fellas fa- my favorite clip ever ever i watch it i reckon once a week on youtube <laughs> is from uh, it's snowing and the u.s where uh, news networks are out and there that some people come running past and it's very icy and they bring them up for an interview and they ask why they like running the ice and this woman says oh you know i just prefer running in ice i don't think it's that dangerous it just makes me flow better and they film her running off, and she just absolutely stacks it, and it's and she's fine. But oh, it's so funny! I know um, that one. That's a, and do you I, know what the risk assessments. I know the risk assessments I have to do at work to just go outside. How they can uh, is and fair play. So is that are you giving that back to developmental for their welfare, or are you giving that the push for the entertainment value? I'm doing my first ever slash. Okay, back to developmental for look after them. But if we're not going to look after them, let's find crazier things to send them into because it is mental. If we're not going to look after them, let's send them into those mental weather we can. And, and don't just make it weather. Just be like, poli- police say the lion escaped the zoo at eight o'clock this morning and here I am stood on the pavements in a suit made Covered of steak. steak. Yeah, yes, just just yes. waiting for them. Go yeah. re- okay, mine looked tame um, by comparison. Oh, Jack, I, I've got an actual oh, uh, go for uh, it. push as well. Sorry, Continue. that was a slash. No, go for it. Very simply... Um, 
my Timberland boots. I put them on for the first time this winter this morning because I took him for a walk. And uh, it was my wellies were in the car, and I couldn't bother going to the car. So I put my Timberland boots on, and they're just my favourite shoes. They're just brilliant. I love my. You can't beat a good pair of boots. Good boots are the absolute business. And other other branded boots are available and also very good. But my Timberlands are my favourite. Okay, I'm with you on that. Like I say, mine are tame, right? Okay, I'm going to rattle through mine because there's nothing to them. Earning the push, broccoli and Stilton soup. It's soup season, Charlie. It's soup season. My mum sent us a homemade soup. My sister's moved in with us and she came from home the other day. She'd gone to see um, mum and dad separately because obviously not together because that'd be weird. Um, Sorry, I can't can't mention it without trying to make someone feel awkward. Uh, But she brought homemade soup my mum back and oh, it just, it's so good. It's so good. A homemade soup. Crusty brown bread. That is yeah. that is what I'll be on from now until March. Uh, other soups are available, but that's the best one to have. Um, I'm going to do a double. Oh no, I'm, I'm going to do a double earn in the push as well. I'm going to give the push to something called "Am I Being Unreasonable" on uh, BBC iPlayer. Normally, normally you are. Yeah, I, I feel that way. It's I've um, got Daisy May Cooper off of uh, this country. I've seen you tweeting about this. So good. So good. what is it? It's comedy, I'm presuming, with Daisy May Cooper in it. It is incredibly hard to explain what it is. It is a comedy where you laugh out loud. It's also a thriller. It's a bit psychological because you don't have a clue what's going on for parts of okay. it. Okay. You, you, I think you'd like it. How long's each episode? 28 minutes. I love a, a sub-30 minute because you just put it on very quickly. 28 minutes, six episodes. You can rattle through All right. it. It is All right, excellent. I'm going to add that to my list. And okay. back to developmental... And I know they need to make their money, but ads on streaming platforms. Oh, I did YouTube of the week, didn't I? It's the worst. Yeah. any. I know you've got to make your cash somehow, but if I am watching something, I feel I have a right to watch it without adverts. Mm. And I know I don't have that right, but it's so frustrating. Tell you what's doing my nutting at the moment. I've recently discovered Taskmaster, which oh, is hilarious. so good. So I'm making my way through the first 10 series on YouTube. And what is doing my head in is YouTube, oh... They haven't put the ads to be when Greg Davis says, we're going for an ad break. They haven't put them there. So the ads come at random times. Then Greg Davis goes, we're going for an ad break. And we don't go for an ad break. And it really annoys me. It is really frustrating. I'm watching on um, all four at the moment. And if you're listening to this pod and you haven't seen these, you need to. Dark Side of the Ring on all four. Every, is it on all four? Every single episode on all four. How? We speak most days. How have you waited on the show to tell me this? I thought you would know. No, I wasn't aware. You co-host a wrestling podcast. I didn't know it was on all four. Every right, okay, listeners. Everyone ever. Every single episode of. Oh God, yes. Let's go back to the basics. If you don't know, Dark Side of the Ring is a amazing documentary series looking at wrestling storylines. But instead of being the patronising wrestling is fake, but the endings are predetermined. It's actually proper wrestlers talking about it. Every single episode is up there. Um, but the problem is the ads, like you were saying, do not sync up. So there's a clear ad point. Then Chris Jericho's midway through an anecdote. And it goes to an ad. And it's so frustrating. If you have to have ads, get it together, sync them up. Yeah, agreed. So let's wrap this one up. Uh, We'll do Royal Rumble picks for next week for the Women's Rumble as we uh, begin to just start thinking about that. If you've got different picks for the men's, let us know. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I am Jack underscore Murley. Question for this week, Charlie. Does the White Rabbit, whatever it may be, turn up on SmackDown tonight? Yes, we see the rabbit, but we don't get the payoff yet. 
Nah, I think you're right. Okay, thank you for listening, everyone. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. If you love wrestling as much as we do, tell a mate to check us out. We're out of time for now, but we'll see you next week on Earning the Push when we'll do it all again. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.